Uh, we're continuing in our series in the book of Ruth. So I'll ask that uh, we take a moment to open up our Bibles or um, please rise. We're going to have God's Word open us up to the book of Ruth. We'll be going from the second chapter and we'll be reading the entirety of it, verse 1 through 23. So let's have God's Word open us up to Ruth, chapter 2. Verses 1 to 23. Again, if you're able, please rise for the reading of God's Word. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. This is the Word of the Lord. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she had happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and the full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull some out from the bundles for her, 
and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ipa of barley, an epa, sorry, epa of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, and you go out with his young woman, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a quick prayer? Father, what we know not, teach us. What we are not, make us. And what we have not, give us. For the sake of Christ and in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You know, for many of us, there is a desire for provision and protection during this time of uncertainty and anxiousness. You know, the time when we thought we were going to have things turn up and get better, we seem that it is continuing and in some cases becoming more difficult. And obviously there is the immediate fear of the pandemic, but that fear has also exposed, perhaps in all of us, deep-seated anxieties of other things in our lives. Perhaps things we've never fully entrusted to the Lord, or perhaps this morning we need to entrust to Him once more. Our careers, our jobs, our finances, and our security our family, our children, their education, our well-being, the things we've worked so hard to establish as fences of comfort and stability do not seem to offer as much provision and protection as we'd like. I imagine if you're anything like me that your inbox is filled with information about making sure you renew your health care plans it's filled with companies telling you that it's a great time to refinance your school loans, your mortgage, and whatever have you. And emails constantly from your work with new guidelines or even that you may have to uh, make cuts or that the company may have to. And with all of this, there's so much noise and angst and unknown and fear. And perhaps it's been so long since we've heard from the Lord and from His Word a message of peace, a message of provision, of protection, and a message of the good news that we have in Jesus. So this morning, amidst all the noise, friends, we turn to God's Word that renews a right spirit in us, that makes our path straight. 
His word that is a lamp unto our feet. We turn to the one whose burden is light, whose yoke is easy. We turn to the provider, the protector, and the one who leads us by his providence. And as we continue our series in Ruth, we see so many parallels to our lives as well. Recall with me at the end of chapter 1, we're told that Ruth and Naomi arrived at Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And even though there there is a, 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 a creeping and growing taste of hope, we see that Naomi dons a new identity for herself by changing her name to Mara, which means bitter. And last week we left off with Naomi instructing everyone to call her by a different name because the Almighty had dealt bitterly with her. And at the same time, with nothing to lose, we see that as we enter in scene two and the second chapter, that Ruth sets out in faith to go and glean in the fields so that her and her mother-in-law could survive and find food. We enter scene two of Ruth's story And we find how the Lord provides and protects and leads not just Ruth, not just Naomi, but us by His providence. So the gospel message, if you look on your screens with me, is very simple that the Lord provides and protects as He leads us in His providence. The Lord provides and protects as He leads us in His providence. Providence. And we'll look at three brief points. First, we'll see Ruth and how faith leads to action. We'll look at Boaz and we'll see how the Lord provides and protects through Boaz. And then we'll finish with looking at Naomi once more and how all the way God was leading her by way of his providence, which is to protect and to provide for them. So first, we'll look at Ruth and how her faith leads to action. So before uh, scene two officially begins, we see that the narrator opens up and gives us a hopeful anticipation of what's to come. We're told that Naomi has a relative, a man named Boaz. We're told that he is a worthy man from her husband's clan. Then in verse two, the scene begins with the opening lines from Ruth. And so let's look at verses 1 through 3 together again. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she, this is Ruth, set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, we see that Naomi and Ruth have returned to Bethlehem, and they must now begin their new life with the search for the most basic need, food. Naomi, who, who, who wishes now to be addressed as Mara, who, who wishes to be identified as the bitter woman, still seems to be steeping in her bitterness and doesn't have the strength or desire or the willingness to go out and work. On the other hand, we see Ruth, full of faith and loyalty to her mother-in-law and ultimately a loyalty and a trust to God. She sets out to glean in the fields. At this point, 
Ruth is not privy to the fact that the eyes of whom she will find favor is Boaz. At this point, Ruth and Naomi do not know the significance of who Boaz is and how the Lord will work through him. We're told that as Ruth sets out, she happens to end up at Boaz's field. Ruth is simply, and in some ways, in faithful sensibility, taking her faith in Yahweh and going into the fields to glean, to work, to put her faith into action, to put her trust into action, to go out and to expect the Lord to provide for her. We see that the word gleaning happens 12 times in her text. This, this story right now is about gleaning. When, when it comes to working the land, we see that the sowers would plant the seeds, and then the reapers would come to gather from the harvest, However, gleaning was done by a particular group of people. If you recall or remember in, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we're told that God gives his people a law. That they're not supposed to reap the harvest all the way to the edge. They're not supposed to be as efficient and ruthless and gathering everything they have. Why? Because... As they leave along the edges and along the, along the outside, some of the harvest, it's intentionally left for the poor, for the sojourner, for the widows, for the orphans, so that they would have something to glean from and to eat and to survive on. And so we're told that, that as, as Ruth sets out, she goes out to glean. We, we see here that that God has a heart for the broken. That God has a, a plan for the broken. That God cares about the poor, the sojourner, the widow, the outsider. That God cares about Ruth. And there's no doubt there's probably been much chatter around who Ruth is and her identity as a Moabite outsider. No doubt Ruth sees and hears the, the quiet whispers and the leaning in of people as she walks by. There's no doubt that she feels a certain sense of shame as she is in some ways a symbol and a reminder of Naomi's own shame and bitterness. Yet, in utter humility and in faith, she goes out into the field to work much to her knowledge, unprotected, vulnerable, with nothing to lose, in utter humility, yet in utter faith, she goes out to glean. And it takes genuine humility to trust in the Lord and take action. This is often because times uh, that we need to take action along with trust requires us to really lay down our pride, our calculations, our, our plans, and what we think the outcome of certain things are going to be. It's because to really trust the Lord, to really have a, 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 a humble trust, we have to lay down self-confidence. And we have to enter into His field as a lowly man and a lowly woman to glean. To glean. You know, I was reminded of a New Testament encounter 
Jesus has with women. In Matthew and Mark, they tell this encounter. Jesus encounters a, a, a Canaanite woman or a Syrophoenician woman. As Jesus traveled to the district of Tyre and uh, Sidon, a woman from that region, we're told, came out to him, was crying out to him. And she was saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Have mercy on me. And she's crying out for Jesus to heal her daughter. But it's strange because we see that Jesus in some ways ignores her. He doesn't answer her. And it gets to the point where this woman cries out so heavily that the disciples beg Jesus to send her away. They say, Jesus, please send her away. She's crying out. She's drawing so much attention. Send her away, Lord. Please send her away. Then Jesus answers her, but not in the way we would think. Because in this encounter, Jesus tests this woman. And as she cries out, he says to her that he was only sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and that he did not come to help, even though we know that's not actually true because he's testing her, that he did not come to help her. And in some ways that she is outside the purview, that she's an outsider, that she's unworthy, that his priority was for the Israelites. And in response, this woman cries out on her knees with more fervor. She cries out. And then Jesus' attention is drawn to her once more. And she says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And again, Jesus answers her in a way that we wouldn't expect because he is testing her. And in this encounter, we can glean something. So, so, so Jesus says to her, not only in the beginning, he says, not only was he sent for Israel, but then he says, that it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And as Jesus tests her, she cries out again. And this is what she says. And she says, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Or in Mark we see, she says that even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What we see here is that, 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 that this woman, in, in utter humility, with, with, with a faith that is trying to grasp, cries out to Jesus, and she identifies herself as a dog, unworthy of anything from the Master, but only hopes for undeserved crumbs of grace. And she cries out to Jesus. And to this response, Jesus says, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And we see finally the, the, the answer that we would expect from the Lord. And from here as an outsider, we see that the Lord was, was trying to teach that that true faith comes with true humility. Uh, a humility that, that understands a view of oneself as, I am so undeserving. And all I can hope for is undeserved crumbs from Jesus, from God. And we would cry out to Him in our time of need for provision and for protection. It's that kind of humility and faith 
that leads to an action not of trying to go out there and do it on our own, not going out there to earn a living, but to go to the feet of Christ, to fall on our faith and say, Lord, I need you. An action that further rids ourselves of self-reliance. It says, Lord, I need you. You are my master. And all I can hope for is crumbs from your table. Faith in the Lord Jesus not only leads to action again, but this heart of utter dependence and humility. It's a humility that does not lead to bitterness, but an acceptance that says, I am a lowly dog who deserves nothing from the Master, but only hopes for his crumbs. Friends, brothers and sisters, this morning I I, I challenge you to assess your true standing and worth before the Lord. What material or worth have you gathered that cannot be taken away from you in an instant by this world? What righteous standing have you before the pure justice of God as a sinner who is so prone to wander? What other hope do we have in body and in soul other than the assurance that we belong unto our faithful Savior? This humility and acknowledgement allows Ruth to glean in the Lord's field ultimately even if this gleaning is to go and collect the crumbs that were left behind for the lowly. Secondly, we see Boaz now entering the scene, and we see that through Boaz, through Boaz, the Lord will provide and protect, not only for Ruth, but also for Naomi. Remember verse 1, we're told that Boaz is a worthy man, that he was a clan of Naomi's now deceased husband, Elimelech. In the first words of Boaz's mouth, we see is this. Look with me in verse 4. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. You know, what an encouragement. We see that this man who is so worthy, and, and this word worthy uh, um, notes the attributes of, of someone who is wealthy, who is strong, who is worthy of honor, someone who is high above in the social status. Yet this man, as he comes and greets his workers, what are the first words we see out of his mouth? He says, the Lord be with you. And in response, we see those who are under him blesses in return and says, the Lord bless you. And so here we can glean out of the first words of Boaz's mouth, that not only is he a worthy man by the worldly standards, but he is a worthy man who fears the Lord. A man who acknowledges, who has a worldview, that even as we work in the field, even as we go about our daily mundane jobs and careers, even as we in plenty or in want go out to reap the harvest of the field, that God is with us, that ultimately it's God's hands that provides everything this is true for our jobs our careers our finances and all the ways we try to uh, sustain ourselves this is true also for the church as we think about the souls of the lost that as we go out into the harvesting fields that it is the lord that provides it is by the lord's hand and so we see boaz blessing 
and then also receiving a blessing. And in this exchange, we see that the Lord is being honored and recognized as the one who is sovereign of these things. More so, not only do we see that Boaz is a worthy man according to the worldly standards and also a worthy man before the Lord, but he's a man who knows who is under his care. As he goes by, as he greets his workers, he notices Ruth, someone new. He notices someone. It shows us that he has at least an intimate relationship with those in his crew to notice someone who is gleaning in his field. And here told, and he's told that they're asking a man who is in charge of his reapers that this is Ruth. So he draws near to her and he offers her provision and protection. He tells her to glean in his field with comfort and an ease of mind. He's, he allows her to stay. He allows her to stay close to his young women in the fields, so that she would not be alone. He's even charged the young men not to touch her or harass her. He's instructed her to take breaks and even drink from the very water that his young men have drawn. We see that Boaz, a dignified man, not only gives dignity to those who is under his care, but gives dignity to Ruth, who is an outsider, who is unprotected, who needs provisions. In all ways, he cares for her. He tells the young men to leave her alone not to touch her, not to harass her, not to even think in any way that is not appropriate of her. He tells her, be of ease of mind, glean from my field, stay close to my women, take breaks, drink from the water. And he shows her a, a care and a, and a love. And how does Ruth respond to this grace? She falls on her face, we're told, and she's bowing to the ground in all humility. She says, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz says, Because I know. One of the most comforting things to hear when you are suffering or in a difficult place in your life is to hear those words in a, in a gracious and genuine way. I know what you're going through. Boaz says, I've heard, I've heard all that you have done. I know who you are, and I know your faith. And here's the interesting thing, and this, this, and I don't know if it's just because it's Hebrew narrative, but so it's, you know, we're told that Boaz is a worthy man. You know, and, and as Ruth sees Boaz, she's probably thinking, man, he is wealthy, he is strong, he, he has it all. Yet we, when Boaz sees Ruth, he sees her in a similar sense of fear and awe. This is Ruth. Whoa, this is the woman who left her father, her mother, all that she knows. Who stuck by Naomi and came to a land she doesn't know. This is Ruth who clung to Naomi and clung to Yahweh. And in some ways we see, although in the world's eyes, that Boaz is the elevated one and Ruth is the lowly one, that in, that in humility, in gospel humility, in genuine humility, that Boaz is also able to see Ruth as one who has a, a, a genuine and awe type of faith in the Lord. But Boaz doesn't take credit. You know, after offering this type of protection and abundance to her, he, he doesn't take the credit. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't try to position himself as this almighty man who can, who can do all these things. 
with all his worth and all his strength, he honors the Lord in humility. He recognizes that he too is a recipient of the Lord's provision and protection. And he is simply extending it in faith and in grace as he too has received it. This is what he says to Ruth. Look with me in verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth has come in all humility with nothing, and she is about to receive an abundance of God's grace through Boaz. Boaz feeds her lunch. He gives her enough to the point where she's satisfied, and she even has enough to share and take home with her leftovers. He tells his young man to allow her to even glean from among the collected sheaves and to pull out even from the bundles that were set aside so that she can glean from those things. So we see this, this, this coming in of Ruth who is identified as the Moabite constantly, yet at the same time referred to as my daughter. An outsider who is now being brought in not only to the edges of the gleaning field, but even given from the portion of the collected sheaves of the harvest. And we see this, 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 this movement of the outsider towards the inside. And we see this done by, by, by God ultimately providing for her and protecting her through Boaz. And this is the experience we feel as outsiders, as sinners, as broken people, as lost people who come to the Lord. Once being outsiders, once being only able to glean from the crumbs, we find that these crumbs actually lead to a feast of grace by God's provision. That crumbs lead to an abundance. So we're told as a scene two goes on that Ruth returns home with so much barley that that that. It's about 5.5 gallons, or 29, anywhere from 29 to 50 pounds. And we're told that this is enough for two women, for Ruth and, and Naomi, to probably eat for a few weeks. An outsider who came to glean the crumbs of the field of someone she knew not, now sees that she is gleaning from the Redeemer's field, not only from the edges, but even given portion from the harvest by the reapers to such an abundance where she's now able to take home from empty hands the fullness of God's grace in tangible ways not only for herself but for her mother-in-law. Friends, when we turn to the Lord in all humility and in faith go out and work and this applies not only to missions work the work of the harvest as to winning souls, but also working for even our, our livelihood. We see that everything is provided by God's hand. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. You know, whenever I sing that part in, in that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, I find myself just, just beating my chest. And, and it's a way for me to just remind myself, Walt, Man, with all the doubts that you have, with all the times you thought you wish you had more, you had don't have enough. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. And brothers and sisters and friends, this is true of the Lord. 
the one who provides and protects, who gives with abundance for all those who take refuge under his sovereign almighty wings, for all those who glean in his fields, only daring to hope just for crumbs, but receiving a feast. I know life is hard. I, I know at times you feel that it's all up to you. I know that your burdens can be crushing. I know that these feelings can rob you of your sleep and your sanity. But trust in the Lord's provision and protection. Let Him who does not slumber or sleep take care of all your needs. Turn to the one who gives the lion and the raven its prey, who clothes the fields and feeds the birds, who knows where the storehouses of snow and hail reside, the one who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and the way of the thunderbolt. The one who brings rain on the desert land where no man's have been so that it may sprout grass. Trust in the Lord who is sovereign, who leads all those who trust in Him by way of His providence to provide and to protect. And finally, as we look at Naomi, we see that the Lord has been leading Naomi all the way by providence. All the way her Savior has been leading her. You know, Ruth left the house empty-handed. And now she's returning home full. She left the poor woman. And now it looks like she's coming home from a Costco trip. And as she's coming home, Naomi sees her and she says to Ruth, What? Where? Who? What's going on? And ultimately says, Essentially, oh my God. We know from verse 3 that Ruth happened by chance to end up in Boaz's part of the field. But we know now that it wasn't by chance. That it was the Lord's providence that led Ruth to that field to meet Boaz. To receive an abundance of provision. To receive an abundance of protection. This was not planned or schemed by Naomi or or Ruth. but It was the Lord's plan that was unfolding as they trusted and followed. Ruth tells Naomi that she was in Boaz's field. She tells her all that he has done for her. And what's Naomi's response? Naomi blesses Boaz. But here, Mara, the bitter woman who lost everything, who was away for 10 years trying to survive and make a living, only to come home empty, as she says. I left full and I came with nothing, and 10 years has gone by. Mara now turns back to the Lord. Naomi turns back to the Lord, having seen Ruth in one day's work, leaving empty and returning utterly full. She turns to the Lord, and what does she say? She says, that the Lord's kindness has not forsaken her. She realizes as the bitterness is softened away that the Lord did not testify against her, that the Lord did not bring calamity upon her, rather that it was through her own rebellion and the consequences of her own sin. But even through all of that, The Lord provided and protected and have led them by way of His providence to this very moment. 
in an instant. Ten years between the time where Naomi said she left full and came empty. And you know what the, the, the tough truth and the difficulty is? Sometimes sometimes the Lord would have us return utterly empty to Him. And in that moment, it might feel so painful. It might feel like we've lost everything. And in that moment, we might be so bitter. But it's only when we are utterly empty we can actually come to the Lord in humility and be filled. We might think it's crumbs at first. But having come like a lowly dog to the Master's table, we find that it's an abundance of grace. We find that He's actually been leading us by His providence. Look at verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. The Hebrew word here for kindness is not simply that she's saying that God was nice to her, that God was kind or gracious. The word here in Hebrew has said, it's mean to capture God's kindness in the context of His covenant faithfulness. His kindness through a love that is promised, a love that does not turn back, a love that's not abandoned, a love that's secured and everlasting. And in this moment, she realizes again that it wasn't the Lord's calamity or testimony against her, but it was the Lord's covenantal faithfulness and kindness that has kept her And now she realizes, having been away for so long, coming utterly empty, but yet receiving a fullness of His grace, better is one day. Better is one day in His courts. Better is one day in His house than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in His fields, gleaning on the outskirts. As a lowly dog, than a thousand elsewhere. She learns that it's better to be in his field as a gleaner, a humble gleaner, than a reaper in the fields of Moab where promises don't bear fruit. Who is the one who has provided and protected? Who is the one who has led by way of his sovereign providence? Well, it happens to be the Lord and Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who has redeemed and ransomed and returned us into the presence of God. For now, we won't continue on this theme of Redeemer as we see in Boaz. We'll save that. But we see that Jesus is the Redeemer. We see that He is the one who ransomed, that He is the one who shepherded us back. So friends, brothers and sisters, can I conclude with a charge to, to, for us to turn to Him, to trust Him, to follow Him, and to know that He provides and He protects as He leads us by way of His providence. Will you join me in a brief prayer?